This is our second week in our series, um, Beyond Good Intentions. Now, it's interesting when we're thinking, do we call it 12 spiritual disciplines or do we call it something else? And when we're thinking about what should we call our series, it came to us that often when we come to spiritual disciplines, we have good intentions about doing it. But sometimes we just don't follow through. And so we decided it would be a really good idea to call it Beyond Good Intentions, to actually go beyond good intentions to do the spiritual disciplines. And you might be asking the question, well, why are we at all, you know, looking at spiritual disciplines at all? And as Caleb said last week, our mission statement for our church is to lead people to become fully devoted disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we do this through four different expressions. And we have four different words for those. Bigger, deeper, higher and wider. Bigger being going out and doing evangelism. Deeper being spiritual growth, and that's what we're focusing on in our series about spiritual disciplines. Higher being about creating spaces where we can worship together. And wider is being the serving hands and feet of God in our community and in the world. So we are looking at going deeper and really focusing in and honing in on that, of developing some spiritual growth some spiritual disciplines. So what are spiritual disciplines? They're the practices that we use to draw ourselves into a stronger relationship with our God, with our Lord. And why disciplines? Disciplines are something that don't come easily. You actually have to be disciplined at them. You have to do them regularly. But you need to remember that spiritual disciplines are not in themselves standalone items. They actually come together with other parts, with other parts of yourself, with other parts of our lives. Spiritual disciplines do no good if we actually aren't seeking to obey God's word. Spiritual disciplines do no good if we're not striving to be in a good relationship with others and with our God. Because what matters most within spiritual disciplines is the motives behind them. So, before we go too far, I just want us to know where we've been last week and where we're going to be going in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be looking at 12 spiritual disciplines. And I've put them up on the screen. Prayer and meditation, we focused on last week. This week we're going to be focusing on fasting and study. The next week we are going to be looking at forgiveness and submission. The week after, solitude and service. Our combined service together, which I really want to encourage you to come along to and be, you really make a big effort to be a part of that service. And we're going to be having that in Bandina. You know, Bandina has been coming across to us for the last little while. So it'd be really good if we really got together and went over to Bandina and really gave a great expression of joy and, and celebration and worship, which are our spiritual disciplines we're going to be looking at that week. And then our final week that we're going to have is going to be on confession and guidance. Now, they all sound pretty heavy, don't they? Pretty big topics. But this week, we're going to be looking at fasting and studying. So I want to jump right in to fasting to start with. 
Should we be fasting today? Because fasting is one of the, probably one of the most neglected of spiritual disciplines when we look at it. Jesus emphasised the heart of the issue around fasting. When he talked in, in scripture about fasting in, in relation to giving, praying and fasting. They kind of come together in a, a package of three. But I need to say this before we go too far. It's probably better not to fast if you fast with the wrong motives. It's better not to do a spiritual discipline if you do it with the wrong motives. We should not give, we should not pray, we should not fast if we're to do it to be seen by other people. Straight from scripture this morning, from Matthew 6, verse 16 and 18. The Pharisees and tax collectors, they fasted twice a week and people wanted to see them. They showed themselves as being fasting. So what do you think of when you think of a person who fasts? A question for you. Who, what kind of people fast? Committed people? Sorry, 40 hour famine, okay. Those that wanted to follow a cause. Anything else? Do we often think of a legalistic kind of people? There's a rule and we need to follow it, such as the Pharisees. But believe it or not, you know, in the Middle Ages, you need to go back a little bit for the Middle Ages, but there was a rigid practice of self-mortification which revolved around fasting. Jesus fasted. He fasted 40 days in the desert. Many Christians actually regularly fast. So what is fasting? And I want to give you a biblical definition up there. But fasting is one of those mo most misunderstood and most feared of all of those kind of spiritual disciplines that we have. And I think because, because of the bad name that had been given, the negative association that was given um, with religious fanatics. But I also think that our love of food and the hate of the idea of self-sacrifice has also led us to a point where we don't like the idea of fasting. We don't like the idea of actually going hungry. Well, we live in a world where we can go and get whatever we like, whenever we like. And right now it's the touch of a button on your phone if you want it. And they've got the ads on the TV, you know, don't, don't even ring up now, just... Put it on your phone and it'll be delivered to you straight away. But fasting wasn't something that was particularly popular. Believe it or not, there was actually a whole 100 year period from you know, 1860 up to about 1955-54 where no books were actually written from a Christian perspective about fasting. Nobody mentioned fasting at all. We didn't want to do it. So fasting really is, and this is the biblical definition I want us to take with us, it's actually a voluntary abstinence from food for a spiritual purpose. Fasting will give you physical benefits, 
But that's not the purpose of a biblical, a biblical fasting. It's not the purpose of a spiritual discipline that is fasting. It's not a hunger strike. It's not for political purposes. It's not even to do good things. So like the 40-hour famine is not a spiritual discipline of fasting. That's to do fundraising and to give you empathy. The book that we've been that we're following along and having a look at is Richard Foster's book on spiritual disciplines. And Richard Foster actually defines fasting as this voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of having an intense spiritual activity. In other words, you give up something so that you can focus more on your spiritual activity. So it's actually really quite important when we think about this, that it's really important. In the Old Testament, Jews were commanded by law to fast on certain occasions. But is it today, is today actually fasting a privilege or is it law? What is it for us as Christians? What do we do? Every Jew is commanded to fast on the Day of Atonement. And if they neglected it, they were actually punishable by death. Now, that's a pretty heavy thing, isn't it? There were four more fasts in the Jewish calendar that was instituted when they were you know, in exile in Babylon. And they also had 28 voluntary fasts, things that they could choose to do. The Old Testament calls... Fasting and affliction of the soul. But Jesus also assumes that we will give, we will pray, and we will fast. He says, but when you fast. Notice it wasn't if you fast or just in case you do. It's when you fast. And he also says, and they will fast. There's not an indication in scripture that we need to no longer fast, although some people kind of argue that that's the case. But as you look at it, you can see that fasting is actually important. It was important in the Old Testament, in the rituals, but it's kind of expected that we would take that up as well. If you have a look in the book of Acts with the apostles, they gave examples of them fasting. They fasted before they went out. They fasted before they were commissioned to go and do something. They fasted and they prayed about decisions. The question is, why do we... You know, last week we had um, communion here. And we do it every month. Some places do it every week. Some places do it once a year. It, It just depends on the tradition that you have. But why do we observe the doing communion? the Lord's Supper, because the apostles said that we should do it in remembrance. And so because they had done it, we continue to do it. The apostles didn't actually necessarily say that we should go and fast, but we observed that they did actually fast, and maybe it's something that we should do ourselves. It's an example for us. Maybe we should actually follow it. So the thing I think about the spiritual disciplines is this, that sometimes we want to call ourselves a church that really wants to 
to lead people to become fully devoted to our disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I think sometimes we only do it when it's convenient for us, when it actually doesn't require a sacrifice, because actually to lead somebody to become a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ actually means we do need to take upon these things such as spiritual disciplines. Fasting should be seen as a privilege, not as a law. And I want to give that kind of for you, that fasting is a privilege, not a law. There is no commandment given for how often and how long we should fast. But like prayer, it should be not done legalistically. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Samuel fasted for a day. David fasted for seven days. We need to remember that it's a privilege, not a law, and we need to be careful that it doesn't cause us to have pride because we are doing it. So what is the purpose of fasting? I just want to go through this reasonably quickly for us because tackling with two spiritual disciplines, we do need to be kind of pretty concise about this. So the purpose of fasting... The purpose of fasting is actually to accompany prayer. Prayer in the Bible is often at times accompanied by fasting to show the earnest desire for God's answer and our sincerity in our prayer. See, fasting doesn't change God hearing us as it does actually change our state of prayer. So it's, it's to accompany prayer Secondly, it's to help us discern God's will. Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted for God's guidance when they were appointing elders. Fasting helps us to be more receptive to God who gives us guidance. Fasting is there to help us to express grief. Realise the first three of the four references of fasting in the Bible, as as you're reading through the Bible, is all connected with grief. When we mourn, we fast. And that's actually a part of the spiritual discipline that we're looking at. It's there to help us to seek deliverance, You can see it in, in, in Old Testaments especially. King Jehoshaphat prayed and fasted for God to deliver him from opposing armies. Esther prayed and fasted and asked others to fast for her on behalf of her deliverance. It was actually asking for deliverance there. Fasting is there to express repentance to God. Jonah and the whale. What did Nineveh do once they realised that they had sinned and were wrong? They fasted for repentance, for forgiveness. Saul fasted after his Damascus Road experience. We'll often read that people uh, repented because they are in sackcloth and ashes and they are accompanied by fasting and prayer. It's asking for repentance from God, forgiveness of sins. Could you imagine our prayer of confession? You know, that it's that before we can actually move into our prayer of confession, 
We're actually, a, a, a people of sackcloth and ashes and fasting. It may not be, you know, it might be difficult for us to do, but that's the reality of what we're talking about when talking about asking for forgiveness and repentance from God. That finally, fasting helps us to overcome temptation. It may sound strange and counterintuitive because when you fast, you get hungry, don't you? But it does because Jesus fasted and it didn't weaken him, but it strengthened his resolve to stand against the devil's temptations. Jesus also said, if you want to read this in Matthew 17, verse 20, about when the disciples couldn't drive out demons. He said maybe that you could, they would only come out with prayer and fasting. Maybe this is something about our temptations in the world. Maybe we need to face them with prayer and fasting. Fasting is a, a spiritual discipline that is helpful to you because it can help you become closer to God. But you need to undertake it with the correct motives, with the right motives. As I said, we're going to be looking at the two spiritual disciplines, fasting and study. So we're going to switch gears slightly because we're going to go from looking at that fasting and we're going to switch into our study mode. And I think it's funny because, you know, here we've got two spiritual disciplines that I think we're, as a society, are pretty weak at, both of them. I don't think we're really good at fasting and I don't think we're really good at studying. And I think one of the things is because we have such an instant access to everything. You know, we don't fast because we have instant access to food. We don't want to feel in need of anything. And I think we don't study now because we have so... It's so quick and easy to get information. We actually don't need to learn anything because if I want to know something, what do we do? Ask Google. Have you, have you ever heard that expression? Ask Google because guess what? If you tap on the computer screen, the phone, whatever it is, and there's a wealth of information that's flooding to you. So why do we have to study? Because all I have to do is ask Google. Let me tell you, study is actually important. And now reading from, from Romans chapter 12, and I just want to reread verse 2 for you. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. See, that reading plainly tells us that we will be transformed with a very specific thing. The renewing of our mind. And how do we renew our mind? We do it through studying scripture. We actually do it through the spiritual discipline of study. Study gives us a foundation for our faith. You may have heard me say this before, but, but it's, not, it's not good enough just to know what you believe. You actually need to know why you believe it. Anybody can rattle off facts and figures but to actually get a depth of understanding about your own belief is so important. 
to have that spiritual depth to your faith. And that comes through study. Study is the foundation. Study brings about this freedom in our Christian life that we will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Many are confused about God and about Jesus Christ in the world because they're actually ignorant. They haven't studied. And if you don't know something, then how can you successfully tell others about it? If you don't know something, how can you live that out yourself? Study frees us from this bond of ignorance. Do you know what's in the Bible? Do you know the life of Jesus? Do you know what he did? Do you know the miracles that he did? Do you know the topics the apostles talked about, that the apostle Paul wrote about? Do you know the history of the nation of Israel? Why is it important for us? It's interesting because some people seem to expect that the word of God through scripture is going to hit them like a bolt of adrenaline every time that you read or study it. Although this jolt of of God just working straight through scripture does hit us periodically. The benefit from reading God's word is more like vitamins than this bolt of lightning. People who regularly take vitamins do so because of their long-term benefit, not because every time they swallow a vitamin pill, it suddenly gives them a jolt, but they know that if they take it over a period of time, over time, over time, it provides them with that benefit. It boosts their immunity, provides them with health and vigour. The same is true when we come to scripture, when we come to reading and studying scripture. It's not necessarily that you're always going to have an immediate bang, here it is, God's word straight for you. But if you read and you study it, it's that long-term effect that God's word will bring to your life. It will change your life slowly and carefully over a period of time. So it's that long-term benefit that we're looking at when we're looking at the discipline of study. It's important for us to study, but how do we study? What is it? What is this spiritual discipline of study? If the spiritual discipline of fasting is to give up something for the sake, give up food for the sake of intense spiritual experience, then the spiritual discipline of study is to spend time in God's word so that we may become more closely attuned to God's purpose for our lives. So how do we do this? There are four things I want us to do. Four steps. First is repetition. You know, there's this whole thing about repeating it and doing it and doing the practice time and time again. Repeated behaviour leads to... a state of life where you will carry that on time after time after time. When you come to something new, you actually need to do it for a certain length of time, repeatedly, before it becomes second nature to you. Have you ever tried to learn a new physical activity? 
like golf. How many people play golf? Swing and golf? Okay, at least we've got a couple. So play golf and you, go, you swing and it's, it's all about doing the same rhythm and same rhythm and learning that if I do, you know, turn my wrist this way, it slices off that way. If I turn my wrist that way, it hooks it over that way. I haven't played golf for ages, have I? So I'd probably slice and hook everywhere. But it's learning that repeated pattern. It's the same with scripture, reading scripture. It's the same habit, the ingrained habit of reading, assimilating, placing it in there. Do you know why advertisements work so well? It's because of the repeated nature of them. They come time and time again into your space. People who advertise realise that it's not the one-off advertisement that makes a difference. It's the advertisement that is in front of people all the time that makes a difference. They learn it. They understand it. It's the same when we come to scripture. Repetition will ingrain the truth of God within you so your mind and your body, your whole spiritual presence will be renewed because of this. The second thing that we need to bring to our spiritual discipline of study is concentration. It may seem silly to say this, but when you study, you need to actually be focused on what you do. Maybe I should be giving this lecture to school students, shouldn't I? But it's, it's difficult because concentration centres around the mind. And you need to put things into place to keep you from being distracted by every little thing. We need to centre our attention around scripture, about the purpose that we are studying. But it also, that applies to so many other things as well. It's why I think Jesus says to go away into a quiet place and pray by yourself so that you can concentrate without the other distractions. The third thing with steps to study is about comprehension. Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 32, it says it's not just the truth, but it's the knowledge of the truth that sets you free. So it's actually the understanding of what you are reading and what you are studying. If you come across a word that you don't know, if you come across a concept that you don't know, if you, you're uncertain of the history of how this happens, take the time to come and speak to somebody that you know that might be able to help you. I'm happy if somebody says to me, I actually don't understand this piece of scripture. I'm happy if you come and talk to me. I'm sure Caleb and Kerry and Joanne, who have all done theological study, are happy to talk about that as well. Yeah? Good. I've just put them on the spot here. <laughs> good, good, good. They're happy to come and talk to you about it. If you don't understand it, find out from those who may. We may not actually have the answer to us straight away and we might need to go and consult with others or go consult with a concordance or a study guide or a commentary, whatever it might be. It's important for us to actually have comprehension around what we are studying as well. And the final part I wanted to leave us with is we need to learn to reflect upon what we are reading. 
Reflection defines for us the significance of what we actually are studying. Reflection actually means that we're wanting to put it not into words, not on just into paper, but into practice. Taking what we are reading and putting it as in practice within ourselves. It's about being a part of it. I want to leave you with a final illustration. How many people drink tea here? I know a couple of people do. Good, good, good. Who likes strong tea? Who likes weak tea? Okay. There's a couple of weak tea people here. So, do you know the difference between strong and weak tea? They have exactly the same ingredients, don't they? Yep. So the difference that is a strong cup of tea results from the tea leaves being immersed in the water for longer, which allows the water to take time to take up that tea flavour into that water, to infuse it. It's the same way when we spend time in scripture. If, uh, it's not a, a reflection on those that like weak tea. It's just an illustration. <laughs> the more we spend in scripture, the more we will be infused with God's will within our lives. The more it will reflect upon us, the more we will change. So I want to encourage you today to be, commit yourself to these spiritual disciplines that we are exploring. And let me put them up on the screen again for you. Prayer and meditation, fasting and studying, forgiveness and submission, solitude and service, celebration and worship, confession and guidance. Commit yourself to these. Today we've looked at fasting and studying. So as we pray today, let's just pray and think maybe what, what might we do? How might we integrate this into our lives today? What is it we might do? You might say, well, actually, I, I, I think I could try maybe fasting and prayer. I might try once a week. And it might be as simple as maybe lunchtime. You decide instead of having lunch once a week to actually pray and fast and break the fast at dinner time. It doesn't have to be onerous, but it needs to be deliberate. It needs to be precise about what you do. Do it for the right reasons. It might be that you said, well, I actually want to study more. I want to get to know more. It might be, well, actually, we want to join one of the life groups, one of the Bible studies, and get to know scripture a little bit better. So let us just pray. And I'm going to leave a space for your own prayer in this. I don't want to just fill it with my words, but I want you to pray. I want you to pray specifically about a discipline that you want to do yourself and ask God to put that into your life and listen for God's leading and what that might be. So let us just pray together. Oh Lord God, we just take this moment as we've been hearing your word, been listening to your message about the disciplines, spiritual disciplines, that we can do so that we can have a closer walk with you, so that our faith may be deeper.
Lord, we just ask today that if you want to take, you want us to take up a spiritual discipline, that you let us know right now what that is to be. If it is all 12 of these, then let us know. But if it is just one at this moment, show us, Lord. Lord God, we hear your voice. Let us be transformed. Let us be renewed. Let us know your good and pleasing will for our lives and for all the world. We ask this in your holy name. Amen.